All right, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8 this morning. Mark chapter 8, we finished up 7 last week. We're just moving right along. We're, we're right at the halfway point in Mark, so we, we're getting there. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Kind of a big, big section of Scripture, but we really, I think, need to kind of read all of it together. And not only that, but we're also going to attempt to flip over and read a little bit in John chapter 6 too. So if you want to put a finger in John chapter 6, that'll be a little bit past Mark in your Bible. We'll probably hit that too. I think we kind of need all of those passages to be able to, to maybe understand what's going on here. Mark chapter 8, we'll start in verse 1. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for this good word, and I pray that you would help us to learn something from it, dear Lord, that we can understand what your word says, that the Holy Spirit would help us to to get from it what we need, dear Lord. You know what we're all going through, what's going on in our life, good or bad. You know what we need to hear, dear Lord. And God, I pray that there's something in these verses today that'll have an impact on our life. I pray that you hide me behind the cross, that I can... Preach your word good this morning, dear Lord. Help my, help my mind to get all my thoughts together. Help me not to be distracted or worried or to ramble on or to uh, just waste your time and, and these people's time, dear Lord. But as we come here in these few minutes, uh, that we give you our time, God, and that we get something from you uh, from reading your word. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This story will sound somewhat familiar uh, because we just a few weeks ago read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And in the first part of this passage today, uh, we're going to read about Jesus feeding 4,000. This is two different events. Uh, there's enough differences there to make us uh, know for sure. No, this isn't, this isn't just some scribal error where somebody was writing the same story about the five and it was misinterpreted as a four. This is a completely different event. It's pretty clear from the details that we see in this, in this story uh, that this feeding of the 4,000 was a different event entirely from the feeding of the 5,000. Although there are some similarities there, there are some differences that we will see. So let's read these first few verses, and then we'll discuss what's going on here. In those days there was again a large crowd, and they had nothing to eat. He summoned the disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way. And some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered him, Where can anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to fill these people? How many loaves do you have? He asked them. Seven, they said. Then he commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground. Taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke the loaves, and kept on giving them to his disciples to set before the people. So they served the loaves to the crowd. They also had a few small fish. And when he had blessed them, he said these were to be served as well. They ate and were filled. Then they collected seven large baskets of leftover pieces. About 4,000 men were there. He dismissed them and immediately got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. 
Now, in this story, it's very similar here to what we see with the feeding of the 5,000. There are a lot of people who are gathered to hear Jesus preach and teach. This was common. There were large crowds who were with him. As we saw with the parallel version in Matthew's account of the feeding of the 5,000, so you will see if you read the parallel account in Matthew of this story, uh, that some of the things that Matthew pointed out in the first story, he also points out here in this story that Mark does not. For instance, we see 4,000 in Mark, but Matthew clarifies in both uh, occasions that it was 5,000 and 4,000 men, not counting women and children. So there's definitely more than 4,000 people who are here. Uh, Who knows how many more? We don't know. Could have been hundreds, could have been thousands more. But the crowd was huge. You may can uh, try to imagine in your mind uh, seeing a crowd of that many people and how it must have been, uh, what it must have been like for Jesus trying to preach and teach to all these who had come uh, to him. Now, in the last account in the feeding of the 5,000, we see that Jesus had compassion on them. But it's a different compassion than he has for them in this passage. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, when Jesus stepped off the boat and, and got ashore and the people were there waiting, Jesus, it said, had compassion for the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he had compassion on them. Because of that, he began to teach them. So his compassion and worry there was that they were lost. They were, they, were, they were lost people. They needed to hear the truth. They were sheep without a shepherd. They needed somebody to guide them. And Jesus took that opportunity in the feeding of the 5,000 to be their guide, if we can call him that, to be their teacher. And so he did just that. He talked to them because he had compassion for them. Now, in this particular story here, it says he had compassion, but the compassion was for a different reason. Because in this story, it tells us that the people had been with Jesus for three days. So they had been listening to Jesus for a long time. Can you imagine the good preaching and teaching they got to hear? It would be good for me. We could lock the door today, and we could stay here through Tuesday or Wednesday, and I'd be happy with that. And we could just all go through God's Word together. And we would understand that in the midst of that three days, we would get hungry. Uh, We could go scrounge around in the kitchen and find a little bit. Mike could find some little Debbie cakes or some bags of chips back there. Uh, But that's not going to sustain us for a long time. We would eventually have to leave this place. And Jesus saw the people that he had been preaching and teaching to for three days now. They had probably ate all their little Debbies and bags of chips that they could find too. And Jesus had compassion on them because he said, Look, these people are hungry. What are we going to do? We've got to feed these people. They've, come a lo- they've got a long distance to go. They've come from a long way, some of them. And we've got to make sure that these people got something to eat. Now, maybe that's why, uh, as Baptists, we, we like to eat so much. Maybe we say, well, we want to do what Jesus said. He was worried about having enough to eat, and we're going to make sure we have enough to eat. And we do. We always have enough to eat. If you were here yesterday for the funeral, uh, we had a pile of food back there, and it was still some left. So Jesus would have probably been proud of us. We had enough to feed the people, even the ones who come from a long distance. And that was what Jesus was, uh, was compassionate about the people here for, is that they needed something to eat. And so he tells his disciples, look, we got to feed these people. And the disciples said the same thing they said after he fed the 5,000. Now, it's okay that they said it when he fed the 5,000 because he hadn't fed them yet. They didn't know what he was about to do. But by the time this story rolls around, they had already seen Jesus feed the 5,000. Now, you would think the disciples, when Jesus said, all right, we need to feed these people, you would have think the disciples would have said, all right, let's get our baskets ready. We know what's going to happen here. 
But you know what they said? They said the same thing the first time in the feeding of the 5,000. They said, well, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? We're in the middle of a desolate place. How are we going to feed all of these people? And Jesus said the same thing he said in the feeding of the 5,000. How many loaves do you have, he asked them. Now, we've seen a few times throughout the book of Mark, and we will continue to see even today, that the, that the disciples seem to be a little dull of hearing. They don't, they're kind of missing it, right? I mean, you would think that when Jesus said, how are we going to feed all these people? You would have thought they'd have said, oh, Jesus, I know, do that thing you do. You know that thing where you took the bread and the fish and you fed all those people out? Do that thing. You would have think that's what they would have said. That would have made the most sense, but they still, they didn't get it. Now, I don't know how much time had passed between that event and this event. Probably not much time, maybe a few months at the most, I would think. You would have thought that that would have been fresh on their mind and they wouldn't have had, they wouldn't have had any doubt or concern about what Jesus could do. Uh, but I guess we're not really too much better because has Jesus ever done anything in your life? Has God ever delivered you from something, provided for you in a situation where you thought there was no way that things were going to work out and God took care of you and you probably praised him for it? You probably said, whoa, God, thank you. I praise you for taking care of me. And then six months down the road, you probably found yourself in another situation saying, oh, woe is me. What's going to happen? How am I ever going to get through this? Well, we get through it the same way the next time that we did the last time, by the strength of the Lord. And the disciples missed it, but we can't, we can't judge them too much for it because we may be guilty of the same thing, that God has done for us and provided for us and delivered us, and we may sometimes be quick to forget too. So Jesus goes through the whole process again with them. All right, how many loaves do you have? Well, they had seven loaves. And Jesus took those loaves and they broke them up and they began to pass them out. And then there was a few fish there. In the 5,000 account, there were five loaves and two fish. In this account, there were seven loaves and a few fish. We don't know how many, but the story uh, plays itself out in a very similar fashion. Everybody who was there is fed by this miracle uh, that Jesus does for these people. And so uh, they pass out uh, all this food and there are leftovers that are left as there was with the 5,000, the disciples go and pick up the basket of leftovers. And in this account, they pick up seven baskets of leftovers. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, as you may have remembered, uh, they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've thought about and studied about and read some ideas about the significance to the 12 baskets and the seven baskets. And I don't know that I can say for sure exactly what those 12 and seven baskets mean. In the first account, there were 12 baskets left, and as I stated a few weeks ago, uh, it could be that that was one basket for each of the 12 apostles who were there, uh, that not only did Jesus feed all the ones that were there, but after the, the disciples served those who were fed, uh, they themselves had plenty. Jesus provided enough for everybody, uh, and uh, perhaps that was the meaning of the 12, one basket for each disciple. Uh, here, though, we have seven baskets. Well, what's the meaning of that? Well, there were seven loaves of bread. Maybe there's some significance to the fact that they started with seven loaves of bread and came back with seven baskets of bread. Uh, maybe that's the significance there. Uh, the numbers 12 and 7 are used throughout scriptures uh, as, as numbers of completeness or fullness or perfection. Perhaps these numbers were just symbolic in that way. 
uh, perhaps there was a deeper meaning. Uh, uh, some uh, have said that the 12 and 7 represent the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament and the seven uh, 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 tribes that were against them uh, uh, that, were, that were not God's people uh, in the Old Testament that maybe it was to hearken back and remind uh, God's people of that. I don't know if, if that's really what Jesus is trying to get across. We may could get that from the text, although it may be reading too much into it. Uh, there are lots of uh, theories as to what these 12 and 7 may be. And I don't have a good answer. Maybe there isn't a good answer. Maybe that's just how it worked out. There were 12 and there were 7. I believe there's probably some significance to them, uh, but I don't know what that significance exactly would be. But I think the main point that we can get from it is that Jesus provided over and above all that was needed. Jesus' provision for all who were there was in abundance. There was more left over. You never run out when you come to Jesus. There's always enough when you come to Jesus. He can always provide for you. He can always take care of you. He can always take care of all of those who will come to him. Jesus always has plenty. If we take nothing else from these accounts, I think it's good for us to take that from the account of the feeding of all of these people. Now, we didn't want to spend, I didn't want to spend much time on that account since we had just kind of talked about the 5,000 and it's very similar. But what we see in the next uh, verses gives us a little more detail as to maybe one of the points Jesus was trying to make uh, throughout all of this breaking of the bread and feeding the people. In verse 11, the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. But sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation demand a sign? I assure you, no sign will be given to this generation. Now, here we see the Pharisees. They're always coming against Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're always coming against him. And they always want to see more. I want to see more. We want to see more. Show us more. Do more. Now, Jesus had done all that you could possibly want somebody to do up until this point. He had healed the deaf. He had made the, the, the blind uh, be able to see. He had made the mute be able to speak. He had raised people from the grave. I mean, everything that Jesus could have done, he'd walked on water, which I guess the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees didn't see that, uh, but they would have seen and known about the feeding of all the thousands. They had seen Jesus do miraculous things. Uh, there was nothing really more that Jesus could do. What could he do? I mean, what could he possibly have done? But even still, they came to him and they were demanding a a sign, excuse me. Show us a sign. Show us something more. We want to believe that you're Messiah, the Messiah. Prove to us that it's you. But Jesus tells him, he says, look, why does this generation demand a sign? And he says, no generation will be given to this generation. Now, Matthew's account is a little different than this. If you read in Matthew chapter 16, uh, uh, there, Matthew adds the phrase, uh, no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. We see that little, uh, that little bit in there. Uh, and that's of some significance, I suppose. I don't, uh, it's not that big of a thing that Mark left it out, but it is of some significance because uh, I believe Jesus there is pointing us toward his uh, death and resurrection. Uh, when he speaks of the sign of Jonah in this story, even though it's not covered in Mark, he is pointing, I believe, these Pharisees and Sadducees and those who come against him to his resurrection. Uh, when we think about the sign of Jonah, uh, Jonah was in the belly of the big fish for three days and three nights, and eventually God delivered him from the big fish. And I think that that's the connection that Jesus was probably making. 
when he said no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. Now, that wouldn't have really made any sense to him at the time of, of hearing that probably, but hopefully some of these who would have heard that statement would have been drawn back to this very event whenever Jesus died and was brought back, whenever he was resurrected, when the Lord uh, brought him back from the grave. Perhaps some remembered these words and they said, ah, Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights, just like Jonah was in the belly of the big fish. And so I believe Jesus was planting a seed here for these Pharisees who were demanding a sign. He was telling them, all right, you're going to get a sign. Here's going to be your sign. It's going to be the sign of Jonah. Now, they probably didn't have any idea what he was talking about there. But if they would have been very perceptive upon his death and resurrection, these words would have, would have, would have come back to their mind. They would have heard these words and maybe, just maybe some of them may have got it. And they would have said, ah, that's, he is the Messiah. That's the sign we're looking for. He's shown us. We asked him for a sign, and all these years later, when he finally, or months later, however long it was, when he was finally crucified and resurrected, that sign that they asked for, they finally received it. But he wasn't going to give them any kind of special sign here in this moment. Because it says in verse 13, after they asked, uh, then he left them, got on board the boat again, and went to the other side. So here Jesus is with his, with his uh, close 12 now, the disciples, uh, who are with him, and they are continuing on their journey as they have throughout the book of Mark. And in verse 14, it says, they had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. Then he commanded them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. Now the scene is set for us here. All right, so we've seen these miracles that Jesus has done with this bread. And the idea of Jesus doing uh, miracles with bread uh, and, and the idea of, of Jesus being the bread of life, like, like these are things that we see kind of woven throughout the scriptures. Uh, Jesus using bread is an illustration. And so here we're going to see Jesus do the same thing. As he begins to, uh, to see that the disciples are, are without bread here, he makes this statement, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, Jesus is not concerned about the disciples opening a bakery and making sure they have good yeast to make bread. That's not what he's concerned about here. He's not concerned about real yeast, about, about making some bread and making sure that it's going to rise good and bake good and be pretty bread. But what he is concerned about is their spiritual state. He wants to make sure that they hear truth, that they learn truth, that they live by truth, and that they know what is of God and what is not of God. And the Pharisees taught a lot of things that were not of God. Now, he's using the illustration of bread uh, and applying that in a spiritual way. So hopefully his disciples will understand that, look, you got to make sure you got a good foundation. You got to make sure you know what God really says. You got to make sure you're following me. You got to make sure you're listening to all these things I'm saying, all of these things I'm doing. You got to make sure you're listening to me because I'm going to lead you on the right way. But the Pharisees were not leading the people in the right way. And so today there are many false teachers and false prophets who may be leading people in a wrong way. Well, we don't want bad yeast because that's not going to make us rise. Uh, we want good yeast. That is, we want good teachings. We want to know God's Word in a good way, in a right way, so it can cause us to rise, so it can cause us to grow in the Lord, so we can be healthy and pretty uh, and productive Christians for the Lord. And so he's using this illustration of yeast and making bread here, but he's trying to make a bigger point. So the disciples realize they've forgotten bread. Jesus says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. That is, beware of their teachings. 
They are not of God, and they are not going to be good. They are not going to lead to uh, to building you up. They're going to lead to your destruction. So don't even let a little bit permeate into your mind and into your heart. Listen to me. Don't listen to them. That's what Jesus was saying. Verse 16, they were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this, he said, why are you discussing that you don't have any bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Is your heart hardened? Now, his disciples obviously didn't comprehend. They had kind of missed it too. Now, for different reasons than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees and Sadducees missed it because, well, they just didn't want to hear anything Jesus had to say. So they didn't care what he said, how, how true it was, even though it was complete truth. They just didn't care. Uh, they didn't want to follow him. They had no desire to follow him. And even when they come asking him questions... There was no real desire there for them to hear an answer that they, that they wanted to hear. Uh, they were simply trying to find something against Jesus. Now, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they, they, they missed the boat. Their hearts were hardened, and they didn't understand all of these things that Jesus said. But Jesus seems to be a little shocked that his disciples don't. Now, they were with Jesus a lot up to this point. They'd been with Jesus a long time. They had seen Jesus do everything. And they did want to follow Jesus. They did believe Jesus was the Messiah. And they were following him, and they were doing what he said, and they were learning from him. And even still, they still hadn't quite got it. They were still a little dull. They still just didn't quite connect all those dots. And Jesus said, are you, are you still having trouble understanding this? Are you, is your heart hardened? You're, you're talking about bread. Do you understand what I want you to understand from what's taking place here? All you're worried about is having enough bread to eat. But Jesus says, look, I want to teach you something better. I want to teach you something that's, that's much greater than you having a loaf of bread to eat tonight. Understand what I'm doing. Understand what I've done. See the significance of these events that I've done and see how they can, how they can help grow you spiritually, how they, how they can show you what the kingdom of God is all about, how they can help you come to me and know that I will feed you, that I will take care of you. Now, they were talking about real bread. Jesus is talking about spiritual bread, and they're not quite, they're not quite connecting the dots there, the disciples aren't. So Jesus says in verse 18, Do you have eyes and not see? And do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? Now, Jesus calls them out here. Don't you remember? Are you, are you seeing what I'm doing? Are you hearing what I've been saying? Don't you remember all the things that I've done, in particular, as we see in the next few verses? Do you remember the time that I fed the 5,000? You remember that? Remember, remember how I provided and everything was taken care of and I preached and I talked to the people? Uh, do you remember the, the feeding of the 4,000? How all the people came and they were there and I had compassion and I took care? Do you remember these things? And Jesus is trying to call back to their mind these things that he had done because there's a deeper significance. There's a more important meaning there than Jesus just, just breaking off some bread and giving it to people. There's more that we can take from those stories. And the disciples had missed that. And he says, look, do you, do you not understand? Do you not hear? Do you not see what's taking place? Don't you remember? Do you remember the things I've done? And he goes on to say in verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces of bread did you collect? Twelve, they told him. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of pieces of bread did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, don't you understand yet? Now, we're kind of cut off here in Mark, but we see in Matthew's account that Matthew records that they did understand. They did understand what Jesus was talking about. They finally made the connection. They said, ah, oh, 
Jesus is talking about the, uh, the yeast of the Pharisees is their teaching. It's their false, it's their bad teaching. Don't listen to what they have said and what they have done, but follow me. Remember the things that I have done. Remember my provision. Remember the 5,000. Remember the 4,000. Remember what I have done. Now, we see these references to bread throughout the New Testament, and I think it's beneficial for us to read in John chapter 6 this morning as well, if you want to turn there. John chapter 6. Now, we see at the beginning of John chapter 6 the feeding of the 5,000. Now, in John's account, he goes on, uh, right after Jesus walking on the water, we have this uh, uh, account of Jesus uh, and, and, and this teaching of Jesus being the bread of life that comes uh, kind of in the middle of John chapter 6. Now, I believe that this is of some significance for us to really understand what we've talked about today. Because this obviously would have come sometime after Jesus taught about the 5,000. And we haven't really discussed this yet, but Jesus goes into a little more detail, I think, of explaining the importance of bread and making that connection uh, in a spiritual way. And John points that out for us in John chapter 6. Now, we saw in our passage today about the Pharisees coming to Jesus and demanding a sign. They wanted him to do, uh, to do something more, to do something more. Uh, but Jesus kind of calls them out for this in John's account of this story that's taken place, uh, of, of them uh, coming to him, and he kind of calls them out for it and really gives them, a, a, I think, a beautiful teaching here in John chapter 6 that we need to take from these events, from the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, and the significance maybe of what Jesus was trying to remind his disciples of uh, when he's recounting these things uh, that he had done. So in John chapter 6, verse 26, John chapter 6, verse 26, we won't read all of that. You can go back and catch up on it yourself sometime if you'd like to. We're just going to kind of pluck out a little part of it here that applies to what we're talking about today, I believe. And uh, look at that. John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus answered, I assure you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that, la that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has sent his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. So here are some people coming to Jesus again after the feeding of the 5,000. They had witnessed a great miracle. They had witnessed a great sign. And Jesus says, look, you're coming to me, but you're not even coming to me because of the signs that you saw. You're coming to me because you ate and you were, fed, you were well fed. You, you ate good. Jesus said, that's why you're coming to me. But then he goes on to make a connection there. He goes on to make a parallel. He says, don't work for food that perishes. Now, people were coming to him, and they were wanting Jesus probably to give them some more bread and some more fish. But Jesus said, look, you're worried about human food, but let me take an opportunity here to tell you about the food that really matters. Jesus said, you need to worry about food that's going to affect you for eternity. You need to worry about spiritual food here. He says, but the food that lasts for eternal life, which is the Son of Man. So Jesus is what we need to be feasting on. He's the bread that we need to be, that we need to be eating on here which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. 
So this got the people's attention. Okay, what do we do to get this bread? What do we do so we can be fed this way? What can we do to perform the works of God, they ask. And Jesus gives them a, a really simple answer. This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. Now that, that pretty much sums it up. If we want to work for God, if we want to do God's work, what are we supposed to do? Well, we believe Jesus. We believe that he is the one that was sent. Well, and we do what Jesus tells us to do because he is the one whom God has sent to us. Verse 30. What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you? They ask. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives, gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. So here comes Jesus, this really great teacher, who's teaching things that are intriguing them, that they are listening to, this group that's coming to him here. And he's, he's telling them about this bread. He's telling them that they need to believe the one that God sent. And they said, all right, well, what kind of sign are you going to do for us? What great thing are you going to do? Because our ancestors, boy, our fathers in the wilderness, they had Moses. And Moses, talking about eating, Moses gave us manna. Moses provided for us. He gave us what we needed to eat. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do to show that we need to follow you? Uh, what are you going to do, Jesus? And Jesus said, no, it wasn't Moses that provided for you. It was the Lord who provided for you. It wasn't Moses, for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So, what, what were they going to be provided by Jesus Christ? Well, if Moses gave manna, well, God gave manna through Moses, then what was Jesus offering? Jesus was offering himself. Jesus said, look, I am the bread of life. You come to me if you never want to hunger again. Because... The fathers in the wilderness ate the manna, and they had to keep eating. They had to continue to eat because it didn't sustain them. But Jesus is telling the people, if you come to me, I am the bread. Moses gave something they could touch with their hand, something they could eat with their hand, and sustain them only in a physical sense. But Jesus says, God has sent me. God has sent you to feast on me in the spirit, so that you will not hunger again in the flesh, but uh, but so that you will not hunger again for all of eternity. Jesus wasn't speaking in fleshly terms here. They were talking about real food they were going to eat. Jesus was saying, look, come to me. Feast on me. Let me be the bread of life. Let me be what sustains you, because that is what God wants. And so they were pleased to hear what Jesus said. They wanted it. Sir, give us this bread always. And here's where Jesus tells them plainly. Here's where he, he, he breaks it to them as clear as can be when he says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. See, the people that came to Jesus, they knew that they were hungry. Not just in a physical sense. They were hungry in a physical sense. They wanted some food. But they, they knew even deep down that they needed more because as Jesus began to talk to them and to teach them and to preach to them and say, look, but I want to give you more. God wants to give you more. God wants to give you something that's going to fill you eternally. And the people said, all right, we want it. Where can we get it? We want this bread where we can be fed always. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That's good stuff right there. 
Because some of us may be saying the same thing to God today. We may be saying, God, I'm just hungry. God, I need you. God, I want to be delivered. God, I want to be filled. God, what do I need to do? God, help me. God, I'm just, I feel like I'm weak. I feel like I'm, I'm just starving to death spiritually. Lord, what do I need to do? Well, what we need to do is we need to feast on Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you never want to be hungry again, if you want to be filled, if you want to be sustained, if you want to have peace, if you want to have joy, if you want to have the strength of the Lord with you in any and every situation, then you come to Jesus Christ because Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. Now, we don't have this account and, and Mark that we just read, but, but, but the disciples would have, would have probably remembered this. This was kind of a big thing. They would have probably remembered this teaching, and obviously they didn't get it because even in Mark's account, they were still kind of scratching their head, and Jesus said, do you not get it? Do you not remember these things? Do you not remember what's happened with the bread in the past? Do you not remember the things that I've taught you? And what Jesus had been teaching is he had been teaching that he was the one that was coming, that the people needed to listen to him, that they needed to listen to what he had to say, that he was the bread of life, the one that the Lord had sent to fill and sustain all who would come to him. And the disciples, they got it, but they didn't get it. And maybe sometimes we get it, but we don't quite get it. But we need to get it. We need to be reminded of it. As Peter says in 2 Peter, he tells the people there, look, I'm reminding you of these things because it's good for you to hear them again. Even though you already know them, it's good for me to tell you these things. It's good for me to remind you of these things. And let me remind you today what Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. Some of you may be hungry today. Spiritually, you may, you may not have been eating much lately. Maybe you hadn't been seeking the Lord. Maybe you hadn't been reading His Word. Maybe you hadn't been obedient to Him. Maybe you, hadn't just, you just hadn't been trusting Him. And that leaves you hungry. I know. I've done that before. Probably everybody in this room has, has probably done that before. Even if, you're, even if you're a child of God, there may be seasons where you're not feasting on Him, where you're not trusting in Him. And boy, it leaves you dry. It leaves you weak. It, it just leaves you, it leaves you feeling bad. But the cure for that is to get something good to eat. You know, when you're sick in this world, what do you do? Well, you got to eat. You don't feel like eating when you're sick, though, do you? You ever been sick, you know, boy, you gotta, if you got a good wife or a good mom, boy, the first thing, you got to eat something. You got to get some food up in you. Why? Because you need that food to sustain you, to get your strength back up. But you say, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like eating nothing. So you got to eat it. You got to eat it. And so you eat it. Guess what? You start feeling better. The same thing happens to us spiritually. Boy, when we are out of step with God and we are living in sin and we're just not trusting Him and reading His Word and praying to Him, and we just feel bad spiritually. We just don't feel any joy. We just don't feel any peace. And we know somebody said, well, come, on, come on to church. Hey, maybe you need to read your Bible. Hey, hey, just pray to the Lord. Just seek the Lord. He said, I don't want to. I'm not hungry. I don't feel like it. We don't feel like it. But that's what we need. We don't feel like it, but boy, as soon as we start digging into God's Word, as soon as we start coming to the Lord, as soon as we start putting our faith and trust back in Jesus Christ, as soon as we seek Him and we read His Word and we pray to Him, guess what happens? We all of a sudden start getting better. 
because we are feasting on Jesus, the bread of life, who is going to make us hungry, or excuse me, who is going to fill us so we are never hungry again. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Boy, the people didn't get it. The people didn't, Jesus was clear, that's pretty clear to me. But the people didn't get it. Jesus was telling them as clear as he could, look, you've got to come to me. I am what will sustain you. I am what will make you whole. We even see this same illustration used with Jesus as he eats the Last Supper with his disciples. He said, look, when you eat the bread, do it in remembrance of me because this is my flesh that I gave for you. We see this illustration of bread all throughout the scriptures. Jesus wants us to trust in him. In the same way that we must eat physical bread uh, to be sustained here in this world and to have our strength and to continue to live, so should we do the same thing spiritually. If we want to live spiritually, we've got to eat the bread. And Jesus Christ is the bread. Now you've heard it. You've seen it in the Word. We don't want to be dull like the disciples. We don't want to be slow to understand. And we definitely don't want to be like this group here that, that hears it plainly, that knows that Jesus is the Messiah that knows he's the Son of God, that knows he gave his life on a cross, that his blood was shed, that his life was given so that our sins could be forgiven. We've heard it, but do we believe it? Well, I can't answer that question for you. Only you know if you believe it or not. But I want to tell you today, if you don't believe it, if you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, if he's not the bread of your life, where are you getting your bread from today? Where are you getting your bread from? Because I can tell you what, if your bread's not Jesus, it's not going to sustain you. It's not going to make you whole. It's not going to forgive your sins. It's not going to redeem you. It's not going to make you a new man or a new woman. It's not going to give you the strength in your hard days. It's not going to give you the hope to get through the darkest times. If you're eating bread that's anything but Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you're just hopeless because it'll never sustain you. But oh, what a wonderful promise Jesus says. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry again and you'll never be thirsty again. If you're hungry this morning, go to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and I thank you for these words and I pray that we wouldn't be quite so slow and dull as the disciples to see and hear all of these things you do in your word and just miss them, dear Lord. Let us get it. Let us look back at these things, be reminded of these things. God, you explain it clearly to us. Praise the Lord. God, even when we don't understand, you explain it clearly. God, you didn't you didn't get on, the, on your disciples too much. You, you explained it to them. And dear Lord, we thank you for explaining this to us today. And God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that's, that's hungry this morning, that's thirsty, that's struggling, I pray, God, that they would come to Jesus, that they would be filled this morning. God, we all have, we all have struggles in life. But God, you're the solution to our struggles. You're the strength in them, dear Lord. And so, God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room today that's just whatever they might have going on, dear Lord, we all got stuff going on. I pray that we'd seek you, that we'd come to you, that we'd be well fed. Dear Lord, maybe there's some that's heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they just, they've never trusted it. They've never accepted it. Even though they've heard it, they've heard it plainly at times, dear Lord. They've read it clearly with their own eyes at times, dear Lord. God, maybe they've never believed it. But God, I pray today that they would believe it. I pray today that they have believed it. And I pray today that they've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and that they are, uh, are well-fed right now, dear Lord, that they just can feel the joy and peace in their heart from coming to Jesus. And God, I just pray that if there's one that had that they'd make that decision today.
And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.